This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Destination Analysts team of travel industry experts widely known for their pioneering customized travel and tourism research that is second to none for its reliability, affordability, and transparency. They not only assist clients with the interpretation of the research, but also the architecture and execution of strategy based on that research. And during the COVID-19 crisis, destination analysts have been producing weekly consumer trend insights, and you can download the latest at destinationanalysts.com. And now it's on to our show. Our guest today is Kurt Kraus. Kurt currently serves as the president and CEO for Visit Norfolk. Prior to assuming that role in 2018, he had a history in the hotel industry that spanned over 30 years, 22 of those spent with Marriott International, where his background included various assignments in the sales and marketing discipline, followed by operational assignments in Florida and Virginia. Kurt was recognized as general manager of the year in 1998. In between his career in the hotel industry, Kurt also served our country initially as a loaned executive for the Transportation Security Administration. He was recognized with the Department of Transportation Distinguished Service Medal by Secretary Norman Mineta in 2002. Kurt then joined his alma mater, Virginia Tech, as Vice President of Business Affairs. On the personal side, he's an avid baseball fan and former participant playing on a variety of amateur teams, traveling the country, participating on two championship ball clubs. Kurt Krause, welcome to DMOU. Oh, it's delightful to be on. I'm just thrilled, 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 thrilled to be on uh, with you this afternoon. Well, great. Thank you so much. You know, one of the silver linings of these crazy times is that we have all been able to get to know our peers in destination marketing that were really outside of our sphere of initial friends. I mean, I, I knew who you were, we had met, but it was really through the weekly Destination International Advocacy Committee Zoom meetings that I really got to know you and appreciate the way that you think and the way that you lead your community, which of course led to this invitation for you to join us on DMOU today. So before we get to your three questions in the bonus round, tell us how Norfolk is faring. I believe that we are faring relatively well, considering all that's going on. And we are very fortunate to be a little different than the other cities uh, around the country. Easy to say that we are one gas tank away from 72 million people. Wow. We are a city of only 240,000 people. So we're not very crowded. We don't have the traffic jams. We are a waterfront city. Uh, in that we have the Chesapeake Bay, the beautiful Chesapeake Bay that feeds into two rivers, Elizabeth River and the Lafayette River. Our partners to the east of us, Virginia Beach, has miles and miles and miles of the Atlantic Ocean shoreline. So um, as a destination region area, we have a lot of attractions. And then you start to throw the history of uh, this great country from the Jamestown Landing in Williamsburg, we have enough attractions that are outdoors mm-hmm. in this COVID world to satisfy a lot of people. And then you take things like the Virginia Zoo, that is a, a wonderful zoo, or the, the Botanical Gardens. Bill, I'll tell you, the Botanical Gardens was created in 1935 to compete with those crazy people in Charleston that had the Azalea Festival. And uh, <laughs> the forefathers here in Norfolk thought, well, we can do that just as well. Well, 
and they have in, in our botanical gardens is just absolutely spectacular and changes with the seasons. Christmas parade that they have of lights that goes through the gardens is just uh, something to just to behold. So we are a very fortunate city. I've only been here six, seven years, and I've come quickly to the opinion that before COVID, we were the festival capital of the world. From the Harbor Fest to the 4th of July to um, a New Orleans Fest to a Jazz Fest to two wine festivals, it seemed like we had something going on every other weekend. You all like to party. So it was. it's just a, a very, very unique place in a, a Granby Street, our main corridor has become a, um, a wonderful destination in its own right for culinary expertise. Two-thirds of the restaurants are chef-owned and operated, so very few um, boxes, Great. big boxes that we have here. So trying to create our own identity. The diversity is something we're very proud of, yeah. and the fact that we're trying to work on our inclusivity is uh, also something to be proud of. You've been negatively impacted, of course, but not to the degree that we're seeing in some urban destinations, and so that's good, and, and congratulations, and, and we wish you a, a speedy recovery. So here's the deal. You have done the unthinkable. You have partnered with a DMO that was a sworn enemy, a competitor. So Norfolk and Virginia Beach are 19 miles away, 30 minutes away from each other, <laughs> significantly different tourism products and experiences, but you have viewed each other as competitors over decades. You recently reached out to your neighbor DMO to get together on a joint marketing campaign. Tell us how this unusual partnership came to pass. It took a pandemic. <laughs> I mean, really, Yeah. as disastrous as this pandemic is, is back in March, we, we didn't know what, when, how long, what's going to take place, but I knew that we would still need a recovery plan. So by the end of March, I had put together with our advertising agency a plan that we felt was pretty compelling and attractive to those at the right time. Uh, we didn't know what the right time was because obviously all the different states around the country, up and down the East Coast, those 72 million people um, had different restrictions, different time frames of phase one, phase two, phase three of when they could travel um, or when we would even accept in Virginia and in our Norfolk, Virginia Beach area, when we would allow more than 10 people to congregate together. Mm -hmm. We knew that we had to put something together. So by the first part of April, we had something pretty solid. And I uh, called my counterpart in Virginia Beach. I asked them if they would be interested to um, participate. Um, it, it wasn't so much, Bill, a what do you think? Collaborate with me on this idea. It was here's the idea. And if you want to play with us, come play. And if you don't, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be hurt. But there's no reason for us not to do this together. Right. We are better together. We are attractive. And, and I let me just sidetrack for a bit. Um, I came down to Norfolk to be the um, managing director, opening managing director for the, the Hilton. Came down in 2014, opened the hotel in 17. In 2018, I opened the Cavalier. In 2019, I came to this job that I'm in now. So the fact that I opened the Hilton here and then went to Virginia Beach to open a hotel and the company also at the time owned the Hilton at Virginia Beach. So in essence, I worked two hotels in Virginia Beach over a year and a half and opened one in, in Norfolk. So I, I had colleagues, I had friends, I had partners in both locations. So maybe it took somebody that had some credibility, some credibility in both destinations. Yeah. At any rate, 
they talked about it. They uh, said, let's go in together. They matched the money that we put in. And all of a sudden, we had twice the money, twice the reach, twice the frequency to put this campaign together that was entitled Together at Last. So no pun intended, really. It was more to get people together to come travel, whether you're families or friends or couples. All the research, and and Bill, we've talked about this many times, the research was pretty clear that people, when they come back, they're going to come back by car. They're going to travel to see friends. It's likely that open spaces, whether it's mountains or beaches, are going to be the attractive destination. Crowds are not what they're going to want. And we said, well, we can check off all of those boxes. Let's make people aware of what we had. As a side note, for me, it's really interesting, and maybe even comical, I am of the um, baby boomer generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, my advertising agency is millennials or maybe even younger. And I said, you know, when they presented the ad to me, the concept to me, I said, you know, this, you need a soundtrack to go with this. Um, and together at last, you know, immediately I'm thinking Etta James and at last, and this would be perfect to tag the two together. Mm-hmm. And I said, maybe you all have never heard of the song. And they laughed at me, of course, and said, you know, have you heard of the Obama the song that they danced to. And I said, oh, okay, so you've heard the song. And it happens to be a wedding song for most of their friends. Right. Uh, so embarrassed I was, I said, okay, fine, you know the song. And they apparently had already tried to reach out to Sony to get the song, and it was just, for the, in their mind, too expensive. I said, we've got to make this work. We've got to make this work. So we found somebody that could cover the song. It was still expensive, but we were able to get some partners to put some money together to cover the song and we are forever grateful because I think the song is what stops people to listen to the whole 30 second track. Absolutely. And as I've said on this podcast before, I am instantly drawn to anything that works on multiple levels and you just said it. So together at last, it's an internal, these two communities are now working together. It's external because that's what we want to be. We want to be together again. And so it works. It so works. Let me add another level, because the intent was to get the local community to buy into this program. All the messaging took you to a website that um, was, in essence, a marketplace of discounts, attraction discounts. Van Wango was our partner with that. They've done many uh, partnerships with other DMOs throughout the country. They're great to work with. We put the website together. They helped us with it. The pass, if you will, that was for free that you could sign up for was as much of, as much available to the local people as it was to the outside guests coming in. Mm-hmm. As Bill, you have taught me and as, as DI has taught me the new way of getting away from heads and beds and really marketing to outside and the community, uh, we knew that if we could get the local community attending some of these attractions with these discounts, that they may be a little bit more open to the visitor coming in. The visitor would see a busier attraction, an activity going, wow, this is pretty hip, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We create apostles, if you will, from the, right. the local community as they participate because they could become more satisfied with our um, destination. So you're right, the levels, the layers that you can put onto this um, are pretty deep. And that was the intent all along, was to get the locals um, as well as the visitors um, engaged in what we had to offer. Yeah. Now, this path is available year-round, right? So you could use the pass and continue to come back or continue to use it as a local. 
I mean, I know that when we began this journey back in the, for, for many of us in the 70s and the 80s, as destination marketing organizations became a big deal across the land, not just for the big major metros, it was all about heads and beds. And I get that. And I get that it's funded primarily by room tax. And so thus, the benefit, as John Lambeth always says, the benefit should accrue to hoteliers. I get it. But here's the deal is that when we know that 50% of visiting friends and relatives stay in hotels, we need to market to locals to invite their friends and relatives. And if they say, oh, there's nothing to do around here, which you know locals always say, <laughs> no, there's always something to do here. And so part of what we have to do is make sure that locals are so proud of Norfolk and their destination that they invite their friends and relatives to come because half of them are going to stay in hotels. Wouldn't I want to expand my workforce by the 240,000 <laughs> residents that I have here? For you bet. I mean, there's no yeah. payroll other than getting them to enjoy right. the experiences that we have. Yeah. So you've been into this for now four or five months. Yeah. Can you identify an impact? I mean, is there clearly a lift that you're seeing together? We are very fortunate to have the attributes that the traveler is looking for. And I recognize that. I would love to tell you that together at last, we are marketing geniuses and we wouldn't have uh, the success that we've been having if we did not. But it is true. We have all of these characteristics that are, are worthwhile. For the 12 weeks of the summer, we are the only DMO of the top 25 markets, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, to run above a 60% occupancy. Okay. So here's this little Norfolk, Virginia beach that's competing with all the major markets in the country. And star reports indicate in their press releases that once again, we are the number one market with occupancy and the only one over 60%. Now we should be at 80%. So we're not to last year, but my goodness, the, the other markets in the Northeast are just struggling. And, mm -hmm. and those markets that are so driven by a convention center that the groups just aren't having their activities. So the characteristics, this awareness campaign has done extremely well for the hotels, as well as the restaurants, as well as the attractions. If you look at just the search engine data, uh, I'm not a big impressions person, but a lot of people are. We've had 62 million impressions for people to, that had the possibility of seeing our ad. We've had over 240,000 clicks of coming in. So a click-through rate that's pretty strong. We've divided it up between, you know, just a brand message to a couple's message to a family's message, millennials. Mm -hmm. uh, we've, we've tried it a number of different ways and, and we've had success all the way through. 142,000 page views, 97,000 sessions, 83,000 new users. So we've had, by those numbers, we feel that we've created an awareness that would not have been there if for not this pandemic if we're not that we partnered together. Well, I can't tell you were they first in, uh, going through for a Virginia Beach visit or a Norfolk visit, and, and you mentioned that we are completely different. There are very few crossover segments yeah. that we would compete. We are an urban waterfront destination, Norfolk, Virginia. Virginia Beach is an oceanfront resort town. Um, they have a, a town center, but we are the ones that, that have that, that urban feel. We are the home to the Virginia Opera, the Virginia Ballet, the Virginia Symphony, the Virginia Arts Festival. So culturally, we have more of that. Now, that's not here this summer, 
but our reputation is more of a cultural destination. So mm -hmm. I would say that the campaign has been very successful. We are going to continue it through um, the first week of October, only because we lose the rights to the song. <laughs> Well, you can either renew or you can flip. So that's my next question to you is, it sure looks like you're hitting on all cylinders. So where do you see this unholy collaboration going maybe in the years ahead? Because you've broken down the barrier now and it's like, okay, we thought you were the enemy. Now you're our friend. Where's this going to go next? I would like to see it go on the group side where we combine our efforts whether it's the association markets, whether it's the reunion markets, the corporate markets, you know, they're going to be organizations that only want the beach. Terrific. Sure. We have that ability. Yep. They're going to be those organizations that want the downtown hotel that has the 18,000 square foot ballroom that doesn't exist at the beach. Right. So how do we sell jointly and that lead then gets shared one way or the other and that we together we own that account? I'm working towards that now from an MNC standpoint. I still think that the leisure standpoint is there. I think when the international traveler comes back, we have a message to the international traveler that you could stay in any one of these locations and have the ability to find a discount in Williamsburg, in Jamestown, at the Newport News, the Nautical Museum that they have there. I, there's just so many opportunities for the region to take advantage of. And I think the leadership behind these two destinations will make it easier for others to follow. So the Atlas Pass will continue. Do we get more vendors to, to participate? Do we get smart enough to know from the, the Bill Geis Brewery that is doing really well with, with whatever offer he has versus the Kurt Krause Brewery that's saying, I'll give you 50% off on a t-shirt. And Jack Johnson can come around and say, you know, Kurt, you may want to consider what Bill's doing because he's creating all the market share coming off of this pass. So we want to have the ability to do to be smart and strategic with it. We want to be able to be smart with the festivals. How do we help promote all the festivals mm -hmm. that Virginia Beach has, that, that Norfolk has? Do we want to put the hotels on this pass? My experience on the dark side of the <laughs> hotel side, <laughs> my friends on the hotel side are going to say, what are you talking about? You used to trash the DMOs. The Kool-Aid's really good over here. Right. I think it's going to be difficult from a revenue management standpoint to put packages together that make sense to sell on this marketplace. I think it's better for us to redirect the consumer to the hotel or the brand's revenue site, reservation site, uh, to get the best rate available at the time. Okay. Uh, I know too many revenue managers that would, if we put a package together, and that wasn't generating the revenue that was expected for that time or the weekend out or two weeks out, then the package isn't available. Well, that's not what I want. I want to be able to have people to come in, find the right hotel, um, but be able to purchase whatever they want off of that attraction pass. Right. Going forward, to answer your question, I, I am hoping that the key stakeholders in Virginia Beach go, this is a no-brainer. We've got to keep this going. I will tell you the city of Norfolk is thrilled with it. City council is thrilled with it. And again, they recognize how fortunate we are because of all of the pieces that fit into the success. As you said at the outset, there are assets that Virginia Beach has that you don't and vice versa. Right. And I remember when I was working Madison, of course, this was back when we were less sophisticated than maybe we are today because this was in the, in the 90s. But we would promote 
a resort destination called Wisconsin Dells, which is about an hour drive away from Madison, but we would include it in our visitor's guide. We would include it in our promotion. And people would go, why are you promoting them? I said, because I don't have any water parks. <laughs> I don't have any thrill rides. And if anybody's really interested in thrill rides and water parks, they're going to see the Madison Visitor's Guide and our promotion and go, that's not for me. But an hour away, and yet you can do all the cool things here in Madison and be on the lake and do all this stuff, and then go up to the Dells for a day? That was, what, 20-some years ago, 30-some years ago. And we're just today, I think, and, and you're a great case study for this, we're beginning to realize, take advantage of the assets that you don't have within your sphere that are within an hour's drive. Right. And that clearly is your relationship to Virginia Beach. You both have great assets. Together, you're way more attractive as a destination. And that was my pitch to them initially was that yeah. we are absolutely better together. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. All right. So on my last question for you, I want to pivot a little bit because there's another side to Norfolk that I think we really want to talk about. Since its founding as a community, Norfolk has always been a major transportation hub. I mean, that's why it was founded. I mean, it was a perfect transportation hub. And that extended to being a significant player in the Underground Railroad. As you continue to build out and interpret your community's history, tell us how you're working with Norfolk State University to make this part of your history your next attraction? A great question. Thank you, Bill. The history that we are creating today, Norfolk State, a historical black college university, was awarded the host to be a U.S. senatorial debate site. Um, They've never done it before. We were able, working with Senator Warner's office, we were able to establish Norfolk State. And we have four um, HBCUs in the Commonwealth of Virginia. But they were selected, and we are very proud that they were, and we have a great partnership. So the history continues. And as we have that debate, the debate is clearly going to be on racial relations and where do we develop the progress after the protests going forward. We are very, very fortunate in our city. Uh, We are 43% African-American, so we have the existing diversity here. Mm -hmm. Not one brick was thrown. Some minor graffiti on the old Confederate statue that's been removed. We've been very, very fortunate to have people with sound minds keep us safe and calm, and and we continue the conversations. Uh, You know, we talk about the, the lexicon of today, and, and I'm trying to get the diversity word out of our lexicon because that's just a check in the box to me. How do we get the inclusivity box checked that we recognized for that? So to do that, to do that, I think we need to go back and look at our history and embrace our history, good, bad, and different. And you're exactly right. Between the 1830s and 1870s, Norfolk was um, one of the major port cities on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. 1,500 ships came in and out of here a year. And you would have enslaved folks coming up from the South going through the Great Dismal Swamp, which I can't imagine going through the Dismal Swamp yeah. at all, but they would, and they would come to Norfolk with the hopes of finding a family, finding a church, finding a ship's captain that would allow them to be cargo on the ship going north. We had what was called at the time free slaves, that they had a skill that they could market after their day with their owner, that they could then market their skills and make some money. But eventually that freedom, if you will, was taken away. 
And some of those folks were being sold to the South where it was hard labor. Mm -hmm. And so they too wanted to escape to the North. And how do you get onto these ships? So we have found that there's 12, 15 identifiable, key identifiable locations along the Norfolk waterfront that I want to mark, I want to create with some kind of QR code that allows people to do a walking tour of Norfolk and listen to the history, listen to the stories of, of those that were seeking freedom and those that were helping people to freedom. So we were very much a part of the Underground Railroad, but I don't think it was ever really publicized or movies weren't made about it and books weren't written about it. But that history is very much, that rich, rich history is very much a part of what Norfolk is. And, and it's a story to tell and it's lessons to be learned. And, you know, I, I think from a partnership with Norfolk State that I started with this project and then has grown through the senatorial debate, I, I can't be more pleased and proud of the staff that I work with and the, the friendships that we've created at Norfolk State to drive this project forward. Really, really, we have great scholars um, and community experts and stories to be told within this African-American community that we can't lose. We absolutely cannot yeah. lose. Whether or not you believe the commissioner of the NFL when he says, I didn't understand until now, I think that there is something to be said for the fact that white folk really weren't paying attention. And, you know, I've worked in countless communities that claim they've got part of the Underground Railroad, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, I mean, all, all kinds of destinations. And I go, well, what are you doing with it? Well, it's really hard. It's like, well, but it's a hell of a story. Yes, it is. It's a story I think people really need to hear. And for years, people were, yeah, well, you know, it's kind of hard to interpret. And there was no intentionality about it. I mean, it was there. If somebody wanted to really work on it, they could probably figure out where it was and maybe find a, a house that they could see. I think this moment in time right now, all of a sudden, I think there's a lot of white folk that say, I really do want to hear this story because I didn't get this in school. right? And I think that the communities like yours that are being intentional about interpreting this story are going to be the ones that win in the future for a lot of new visitors that are really thirsty for this story, honestly. Not just to white folk. I think it's for all folks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, there's a huge market of people who I think, you know, to use the, the term, are woke now yep. Yep. that weren't before that are also going to want to hear this story. So Norfolk State University has an award-winning theater and communications department where those students either end up in L.A. or New York and are very, very successful. The person who has written the book that I am basing a lot of, of, of this work on, uh, Dr. Cassandra Newby Alexander, she's the dean of the College of Liberal Arts. She had an idea that, you know, how do we get the theater department when we have groups that come into our community? You know, imagine the, the, at the DI convention and we want to see a little bit about what Norfolk's about. Do we get performers on stage that do a reenactment of some sort? to those 1830s and the discussion of, you know, how do I escape and, and how do I help? And when I am up north, how do I get my family to come up north? And Bill, the stories are just fabulous. And to have the resources that we do, it would be a shame, a shame yeah. to humanity that we don't tell this story. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, time for the bonus round question. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> when Shelly Green recently shared the mic here on DMOU, she told us of her early days as a singer in a troupe that toured, honestly, the world, like the Sydney Opera House, right? Carnegie Hall. You have had a fairly prolific run on stage over the past three years, participating in the 2018 and 2019 Hampton Roads Dancing with the Stars, performing with the Virginia Opera, and as the local family theater company, the Hurrah Players in Annie, as President Roosevelt, and the Captain and Dames at Sea. Where did this sudden burst of performance creativity come from? I have no idea. Well, I don't know. I, I do have an idea. I do. I do have an idea. <laughs> My father stowed away on a boat uh, in 1920, 1925 or something like that to come act in this country. Really? That he was so mesmerized by the actors at the time. That's what he wanted to do. Fast forward to my youngest daughter. That's all she wanted to do was perform on Broadway. So maybe it's in the blood. I don't know. My wife today, she gave me a present for my birthday to do four dance lessons with her. And those dance lessons that started in January progressed to that particular teacher teaching me the steps to compete with the first Dancing with the Stars in Hampton Roads. I didn't win, unfortunately, uh, as competitive as I am, but uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that competition to the point where the local theater company asked me, but would you consider to play uh, in our, we have a role for you. Bill, I've never done this before, ever, 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 ever. Not in high school, not, not thinking about growing up. I just, you know, I wanted to play baseball, And that's all I wanted to do all my life. So they said, the role is President Roosevelt. You're going to be in a wheelchair, so you don't have to remember where you have to stand or where you have to walk. Somebody's going to push you around. You just have to remember, you know, a few lines and speak like, you know, it's, you know, there's nothing to fear, but fear itself. And, you know, I got into it and I enjoyed the role. And then the opera came and said, you're a great patron of the arts here in uh, Norfolk. (laughs) Would you consider coming on stage? And I said, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I was just part of the cast on stage. Not very long, but let me tell you, it's um, the community of actors are so warm, so welcoming. Right. They wanted to, you know, to make sure that you enjoyed yourself and covered for you and had a good time. And then it got into the second year of Dancing with the Stars and then a bigger role um, as captain of a, a Navy boat to do Dames at Sea. And um that particular performance was done on the USS Wisconsin here in Norfolk. That was my ship for three weeks, believe it or not. Tell you what, the next time you're on stage, you have to let us know. We will come out to Norfolk because I've got to see you on stage. My first meeting with Destinations International was a CEO summit. Uh, met a few folks and told the story because I was taking voice lessons at the time. And they were saying, you need to perform with our band in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason, it didn't work out. But we, you know, I had a couple of songs I was ready to go and um, it, it didn't work out. So um, you never know. Maybe one day I'll uh, get up on stage. Hey, next year in Chicago, right? Get you into that house band. Absolutely. Hey, Kurt, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule for this podcast. We love the way you think you have created, I think, a really compelling case study for every destination to look broader than their borders and see where the opportunities are. What you've done with Virginia Beach is absolutely sensational. And 
that kind of collaborative thinking is more of what I think, you know, we should be intentional about doing, but I think also we're going to be forced to do as budgets are going to be impacted over the next probably two to three years. I think we need to look out to our neighbors and say, where are the opportunities that are out there? So again, love the way you think, and I can't wait for the opportunity to see you dance. Thank you. Please share my information. My contact information would be glad to help anybody. I've had so much help from others. So so how can people reach out to you and find out more? The easiest way is probably email, and that's kkraus at visitnorfolktoday. kkraus at visitnorfolktoday. LinkedIn, Kurt Kraus, and I don't know what that address is, but um, I think yeah, they'll find you. They'll find me. So please reach out. Glad to help. <laughs> All right. Hey, Kurt, thank you for all you do for us. Appreciate it. And uh, this has been a great conversation. We knew it would be. And uh, look forward to uh, hanging with you each week on the uh, Destinations International Advocacy Committee Zoom calls. Perfect. Let's do it again. All right. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Destination Analysts, a team of travel industry experts widely known for their pioneering customized travel and tourism research that is second to none for its reliability, affordability, and transparency. And during the COVID-19 crisis, Destination Analyst has been producing weekly consumer trend insights. You can download the latest at destinationanalysts.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to the Z News, our Knowledge Bank, videos, blogs, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, plus past episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.